There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your setting. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Welcome to Sci-Fi Talk on the Fangirl Zone, a podcast where we discuss shows on the Sci-Fi Channel. I'm Steve. And I'm Sean Fangirl S. And today we'll be discussing episode eight of season one. We're hoping it's still just season one. That's right. Of Surreal Estate. We want so many more seasons. Yes, we do. (laughs) All right. Well, before we get into this episode, we do have some news to report on. We have news. From Deadline.com on the 31st of August, sci-fi's Astrid and Lily Save the World has found its leads in Jenna Morrison from Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist and Chesapeake Shore and newcomer Samantha Maureen O'Coin. Astrid is described as bold and unfiltered with a knack for sciency gadgets. Her friendship with Lily proves that being classically unpopular is pretty darn cool. Lily is a sweet-natured and intuitive with a passion for investigative photography. That might be interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this world isn't just made up of one type of person and representation on screen matters, said creators Noel Steeman and Betsy Van Stone. Astrid and Lily will hopefully help remind us that heroes come from all walks of life. There's an effervescent charm to Jaina and Samantha that immediately captivated us, and their chemistry was undeniable. We can't wait to see these talented actors take on the roles of Astrid and Lily to save the world. The 10-episode series follows the high school BFFs, Astrid and Lily, outcasts whose lives become more complicated when they accidentally open a portal to a terrifyingly quirky monster dimension. The fate of the world is in their hands and they must embrace the badass heroes they were meant to be, while also surviving the horror of high school, according to the network. (laughs) Quirky, terrifying monster dimension. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, seeing that we did not (laughs) have any idea this was coming, as we did not see a press release saying that they had decided to do this, so... And there is one other good news with this. The producing, and what is that? The producing director will be Danashika Esterhazy, who we all know from Surreal Estate. Oh, yes. nice. So, if anybody's going to do it right, she will, that's for sure. I feel like Surreal Estate, I'm sorry, sci-fi. Yeah. <laughs> Surreal Estate. Surreal Estate's great. I want more seasons. But sci-fi, I feel like, does use more... I guess, actors from different walks of life. So it's not just the stereotypical, okay, we have the cheerleader type and we have the football player and like, that's it. Right. So I have big hopes for this, especially the fact that they are saying they wanted to really put representation out there. So I have high hopes. Right. Now, also in the news, the Hollywood Critics Association 
held a virtual ceremony for its first ever HCA TV awards last Sunday night. And amid its recent hits like Ted Lasso and Mayor of Easttown, several of the year's most prominent genre series picked up honors, including Sci-Fi's original series, Resident Alien. Or best cable series comedy. That's just awesome. <laughs> and of course, on the streaming side of things, another big night for genre shows from Disney Plus as The Mandalorian and WandaVision picked up nods for best streaming series drama and best streaming limited series. Made some right and choices for once. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. I love it. But wait, I love the fact that on the animation side, HBO Max. The original series, Harley Quinn, which I totally love, also (laughs) snagged an award for Best Animated Series or Animated TV Movie. If you've not watched this yet, I highly recommend it. If you're a fan of Harley Quinn, I definitely recommend it. Right. But it is so funny. (laughs) Like, the stuff that happens, you're just like, what? And there's a lot of swearing, but... Yeah. (laughs) I do that myself so whatever but it's just really funny the way they played it out because it was not what i expected going into a harley quinn series right so bonus is there so you know a round of applause for everybody who won and super awesome that we get several that we're we're talking about exactly all right well let's get into episode eight baba o'reilly as Luke considers quitting paranormal clients, he encounters a house that changes his perspective. I'd Can I so. just say, <laughs> like, through most of this, I'm like, maybe we're not going to get a season two. Right. <laughs> I was feeling like they were setting us up for, nope, you're not going to get one. Right. Here's why. Yeah. <laughs> I was scared. Yeah, it was very concerning, that's for sure. So we start with the blast from the past as we open with a scene from the 1950s. A teenage girl is giddily dancing to music in her room. Suddenly, she clutches her chest. She may be experiencing a cardiac event, maybe. And she tells an invisible force that it's time for her to leave. And we see the house eject her. Oh, that's not good. And we fast forward to the present as we see an older woman lies dead on the front porch. This can't be good. (laughs) I'm like... What happened? Because when she opened the door, you see all the weird, like, black Twilight zone so, Yes, that's kind what of, I was thinking, was the Twilight yeah. Zone <laughs> dimension. I'm like, ship. yeah, immediately, I'm like, well, okay, apparently we're like, no end house, weird stuff's gonna happen inside and out. Yeah, so we go to the Roman agency, where Luke is on the phone with clients, and we learn from Phil, August, and Zoe that the business is plummeting. Because Luke is an industry pariah and his clients are pulling out at a rapid rate. Oh no. And to top it all off, he had a spat with Megan. Well, I don't know if you'd call it a spat. She just left in an Uber and he didn't understand why. (laughs) Well, they don't know what's going on, so they're just assuming it's some kind of fight. Right. So Luke introduces a new case for the team. A woman had called regarding her aunt's home. The aunt in question, Nellie, recently passed away. There's nothing supernatural afoot, and she wants the resident whipped into shape, ready for selling. So Luke decides he's going to take this on as his pet project. Can he go straight? <laughs> well, I mean, we we get some information, too. Wasn't it here when we find out that, like, it was a neighbor and, like, his dad, you know, knew her and everything, and it was just strange, or was that, like, not yet? Eh, that probably was. I don't think I've 
got it in later in the episode. So yeah, it is possible that it was somebody his father knew because we end up at Funland as Luke is bowling while hanging out with his father, Carl. Luke, At least they're talking. Yeah, which (laughs) after the last time they went bowling, I wasn't sure they would be. Of course, Luke questions whether his father would have loved him if he grew up normal. Well, of course, his dad asserts he would have loved Luke no matter what. And then we get into Mama Talk, and we actually find out that, at least from his dad's perspective, his mom was in a lot of pain, and it had nothing to do with either one of them. So I'm guessing it was like a mental issue, or maybe she had powers and didn't know how to deal with it, so it was kind of driving her crazy? That's very possible, because Luke had to get it from somewhere, so he probably did get it from his mom. And then, of course, Susan shows up for a bowling session. (laughs) That and to make sure Luke's okay. He confesses that he's been mulling over the Roman agency's future. For example, the paranormal cases make up a tiny percentage of their revenue. Perhaps it's time to ditch the spooky stuff and go legit. I don't think Susan liked that idea much. (laughs) No, she seemed a little upset. Right. And, of course, this decision might fracture the group, especially the members whose talents specifically suit the supernatural cases. Yeah, Phil would probably be about the only one, that, because <laughs> he would still do the paperwork and such, but Augie might end up at NASA or, what was it, a toy company? <laughs> yeah, and then Zoe will stick around for a little bit because of the dental plan or something. Right, and then get bored. <laughs> But man, when Susan was bowling, by the way, yes, like holy crap! And then what was with that very last thing? Well, she had. Thro- Is she supposed to have like more powers than we thought? No, she just has honed her telekinesis <laughs> really well. Ah, okay, yeah, that, that makes little sense. Kick was to knock down those two pins because she <laughs> ball didn't quite hit the pocket right and left her with the <laughs> two pins standing. So she just said, I'll take care of that. So later on at the office, Susan receives a phone call from Megan, who's trying to contact Luke. Well, Susan offers her assistance instead. And of course, before (laughs) she gets into the elevator, just before Augie makes the comment that his stuff is in her trunk. Well, that turned out to be a good thing for us. Right. Trying to figure out why it was even in her car to begin with. Well, she probably rode back with, Susan from the house that had all the roadies in it. Oh, I mean, I guess you that would makes think because not everybody can fit in one. Right, but you would think he would have gotten <laughs> into her trunk and brought his stuff up, but who knows. So we're going to check out the Donovan house as we see Megan is mindlessly drawing circles like the one family that was possessed by roadies. I didn't catch it at first. I'm like, because everybody was talking about, oh, is she drawing Olympic rings? And I'm like, right, oh, okay. No. And then it's like, wait, there's only three. Yeah. <laughs> and later on, Susan arrives and Megan is clearly flustered. Her place is in shambles and she doesn't remember anything after attending Susan's award ceremony. Now, of course, Susan is immediately suspicious and says, yeah, I got something in my car. Let, let me go get that. And of course, she brings in Augie's bag, which includes that swanky device that destroys roadies. And you'd see Megan kind of uh, take a few steps back. 
Yes. And I was like, uh-oh. Yeah. She also installs a hidden camera so that they can monitor Megan's moves. <laughs> of course, Susan mentions, if you and Luke are doing something, you might not want to do it in view of the camera. <laughs> it's like, keep it PG. Yeah. So Megan's body invader isn't a fan of the device. And suddenly, Megan's inner roadie seizes control. And we see her head spin 360 degrees. That was so weird. <laughs> yes, it was. Now, wait, because before we got there, we did see, like, Megan in the hallway. Right. Like, waving. But somebody had pointed out that Megan was, like, right by Susan talking at, like, the same time. So it's like, wait, was that one of the ghosts in the house looking like Megan? Or was it just, like, a continuity error? Because when I was tweeting it, somebody's like, who is that actually in the hallway? Because if she's right there right, talking to her and then her head spins, it's like, how was she in the hallway like a second ago? Good question. I don't know. I didn't, didn't notice that. I'll have to go back and take a look at that. Or maybe our fantastic feedbacker Jazz will <laughs> enlighten us on that one. Or if somebody else knows, let us know. Right. So, of course. That head turn was creepy, by oh, the way. Oh, yes, it was. It was awesome. <laughs> so, Rody Megan shoves Argus's device aside with her foot, and Susan retaliates with a savage punch. Obviously, she's been training. Yes. <laughs> and then Susan utilizes her telekinesis to retrieve the device. And, of course, the roadie transfers from Megan to Susan. And like a game of supernatural hot potato, the roadie returns to Megan, and that's when Susan telekinetically turns on the device and the roadie is sucked into it for good. And we finally figure out what's going on. Right. Because the roadie had said, you took two of my lives. Right. Or two of my three or something. And I was thinking it was supposed to be almost like a roadie family or something. Right, yeah. But at least they explained it. Right, because Phil had actually said that it was unusual for roadies to travel in even numbers. Yes. Because they had thought there was only two. And it's like, nope, there was three. (laughs) So I was wrong. It wasn't chopping them up, basically. But interesting that it happened. And apparently when the roadie had jumped into Susan before, it didn't know that she had the telekinesis. So. Bad move there for you, Rody. Yes. <laughs> so we go out to 13 Bathory Lane. That sounds Bathory. familiar. <laughs> <laughs> so Luke arrives at Nellie's home to inspect it and heads inside. He takes a look in the mirror, but it's not our Luke in the reflection. It's a 16-year-old version of Luke, played by Marcus Zane. I want to say everybody's like, okay, Luke is outside doing the workout around the house. And doesn't bother to, like, tune in to see right, if, there was... if something's going on. Right. And he's just like, I'm going to go in. do 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 do, do. <laughs> Surprise! Yeah. That was weird, though. I love how they had the younger versions. Yes. So, that was yeah. great. So we cut back to the office quickly as Phil unloads some unnerving discoveries on Zoe and August. Apparently, Nellie's parents perished when she was 16 years old. And not only that, they died simultaneously by falling out of two attic windows. Say what? <laughs> At the same time, the yes. odds of that are very slim. Yes. So, of course, our trio decides to deliver the news to Luke. Because, of course, he had turned his phone off. So, of course, they arrive at Bathory Lane and go inside. 
Well, now we've got a 16-year-old Zoe, baby Phil, and young August. I love Zoe. Like, Zoe is just Zoe. Okay. And that actress sure looked like Zoe. (laughs) It wasn't? I don't think so. I but thought it was I just her playing, it, like, a younger version of herself. Yeah, it might have been. It oh, my gosh. Been. Fire up the Google machine. Yeah, because there wasn't no mention of different actresses' name in this. So. <laughs> so as our teenage trio explores the house, they each find a room that fits their respective personalities. Yeah, they all split up. Is that a real bright idea? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you're inside, but... And they don't realize that they've turned into 16-year-olds, so yeah, I wouldn't think that they would have the forethought to say, maybe we better not split up. So, of course, August spots a room chock full of tech stuff and the devil's lettuce. (laughs) That was just funny. I'm like, what? Yeah. (laughs) Meanwhile, Phil gets comfy in a space decked out with books and licorice. I have to say, like, the top of the line like computer that augie was using i was like oh yeah <laughs> yes once upon a time that was, was but yes, holy was. cow and then yeah like okay i have a question and i know i don't know why i just said like sorry guys when they go into phil's room right did he look kind of nervous about looking at the books i'm like wait does he have something like dirty hidden in there yeah. <laughs> like he kept looking and looking back and like oh no uh, or right. thinking somebody's going to judge him. Right. Because he had moving <laughs> <think> so. dick. <laughs> yeah, it could be. And lastly, Zoe's quarters are quintessentially punk rock, complete with a guitar and a piercing gun. But I'm they so do decide surprised. to. St- <laughs> yeah, stick together. And they finally find young Luke playing video games in the living room. Of course, they start having a good time. And Zoe learns they're all the same age. Despite being born in different decades. (laughs) Oh, really now? That's weird. Yes, that should clue them to something is obviously not right. And then, of course, Zoe had just figured out that the house was giving them everything they want. So she was going to test it out, wishes for a cake, takes it into a room and realizes it's not a real cake. Okay, so first I looked, and it looks like Zoe just played herself. Right. As a different version. Okay. And apparently Zoe's pretty smart because she figured it out for anybody else. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And, of course, her piercings have vanished. So all of this is just glamour. Unfortunately, the home acknowledges Zoe's skepticism by sending her flying out the window. Uh-oh. Later on, Phil notices that his books contain the same page from Moby Dick. Yeah, just like a random page. And I love how they're like, is it an important page? And I'm like, (laughs) oh, is it going to try to tell them how to get out? Right. But no, it's just about whale (laughs) flower. And of course, August's tools are all the same size. And Luke hasn't scored in his game for 20 minutes. That's odd. Yes. So both Phil and August are promptly booted from the building for questioning it. Then we see Zoe, August, and Phil are back to normal outside the house, and they start brainstorming how to get Luke out of this smart house house. (laughs) Ain't too smart. (laughs) Meanwhile, Luke comes face to face with present day Luke. Well, not so much. More like house Luke. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. Yep. 
This was the house talking. And the home attempts to coerce young Luke into staying with it for all eternity. Because the outside world is unbelievably cruel. Thankfully, young Luke decides to leave because he wants to see the world. And before stepping outside, he drops a quote from his dearly departed dad. Ships are safe at harbor. That's not what ships are for. (laughs) And of course, he gets booted out. He does his thing to see if he senses anything. And he says it's gone. I didn't understand that. It's just like somebody had to basically say no. Yeah, apparently. (laughs) Well, I mean, that lady was in there by herself like the whole time. So. Right. And and they did say. Right. It killed their parents. Yeah. So, yeah. So that makes sense. There hasn't been anybody else because it it happened with her and then that was it. Right. And the group also figured that the house couldn't handle because there was now four of them in there that it was having a hard time keeping up with all the yeah. wants. <laughs> Just too much. Yep. Then Luke rallies the group together. As, of course, just before he gets out of the house, Susan and Megan join up. And Luke tells them he was thinking about going legit, but he realized their services are a necessity. So they'll continue to kick paranormal ass and make buckets of escrow, which gets a scream out of Susan. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, yes, money. Yeah. And we cut back to the Roman agency where we see a monitor pop up and boy, is it busy in... In Megan's house. house, Yeah, thank you for scaring the mess out of me. (laughs) Yes. Because we see ghosts in the hallway coming from downstairs, and then out of nowhere, we get the surgeon and his smile just right in your face. Like, popped right into the camera. Scared the mess out of me. Thank you for the jump scare. (laughs) By the way, I'm going back through Twitter while we were doing this, and Sci-Fi had officially posted that little video clip of Megan waving to the camera that Susan was looking at, and it says, well... That wasn't Megan in the camera. Guess we'll find out who it was next week. Ah, so okay. definitely not, and definitely super creepy. Yes, and how is Luke going to be able to tell the difference if his mom oh looks gosh. like his girlfriend <laughs> or something else? Oh, God sorry. forbid. Yeah, it's going to be weird these last two episodes. <laughs> right? Yes, I think it, we've definitely got a two-part finale. Yes. Because I think we're going to spend both episodes on our toes. Yeah, in the Donovan house. And I think we'll have a massive cliffhanger next week where we don't know who's alive and who isn't. And then we'll come back for the finale. And well, just from the previews, it shows like Augie again, like being invited in to a house. (laughs) And I'm guessing it's the Donovan house. Yeah. And he's like, all right, let's dance. And I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. That's not good. I'm freaked out. So we'll find out. But I am really, really worried about the team. I think everybody will make it. Right. But I'm still freaked out. Yes. (laughs) Just a little. Please rate and review us on iTunes with good ratings and reviews. It helps other fans of the show find us, tell your friends, and we hope you're enjoying our podcast. You can also go check out www.fangirlzone.com. And our contacts page is there, so you can click on that and find all the ways to get a hold of us. Yes, we are constantly working on our website, and it is a slow process. Yes. Anybody want to send me tips? 
Send me something to <laughs> contact us at fangirlzone.com. Also, email. We want your feedback. Sci-fi talk. That's S-Y-F-Y T-A-L-K at fangirlzone.com because we want to know how you feel as well. I know I was not the only one jumping, so no. bring it on. <laughs> and we do tweet as often as we can when the yep. shows are live. So please tweet along with us. And again, our contacts on the page, you'll be able to find it so you can tweet with us. So for this episode of Sci-Fi Talk, I'm Steve. So let me guess, Zoe thought I needed a pep talk and you drew the short straw. And I'm Sean Fangirl S. And until next time. <laughs>